The huge metal belly of the Mars Viking spacecraft looms over the slouching figure of scientist Emmett Chappelle. Chappelle doesn't seem to see the large rocket above him. Instead, he is fascinated by what is happening before him on his lab bench. Underneath a couple of clear jars are fireflies, bouncing angrily against the glass. These fireflies, however, aren't normal, as they currently do not have glowing tails. Instead, their tails lie innocently in a marble mortar next to the glass jars. Emmett Chappelle takes the marble pestle and begins grinding the tails up, breaking them into smaller and smaller pieces until a glowing liquid is formed at the bottom of the bowl. With a smile, Chappelle adds another chemical to the liquid and watches the mixture get brighter and brighter, lighting up his part of the laboratory. Brains of people are more interesting than the look, I think. Electric power is everywhere present in a limited point of view. Jane, if you really want something and you work hard and you take advantage of opportunity and you never give up. You're listening to Human Angle, a podcast that focuses on the hidden lives of scientists, asking what makes them human. I'm your co-host, Matthew Dale. Here is my other co-host, Kenna Castleberry. Thank you, Matthew. And thank you to all of our listeners. We've had over 900 plays on this podcast, and we definitely know we can reach 1,000 with your help. Please share and subscribe to our show. And if you like today's episode, like it and share it with your friends. Don't forget to rate us. It really does help. Okay, so today we're discussing Emmett Chappelle, one of the most distinguished African-American scientists in history. Chappelle made his advancements in the fields of medicine, food science, astrochemistry, and, and also managed to find some time for some philanthropy on the side. He worked with NASA for several years and was even inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame for his work on bioluminescence, very spooky, Ooh. in 2007. Most of our research for this episode came from several online articles written about Chappelle. His scientific work is really expansive, and we're going to try to cover everything we can. Chappelle unfortunately died just last year, 10 days before his 95th birthday, leaving quite a large legacy in history. And we're hoping with this episode to do his work justice. That sounds like a lot. (laughs) It is going to be a lot. But I mean, it's kind of cool to see a scientist who's so well-rounded, maybe? Well, with okay, so with Kenna ramping the pressure up there, we might as well get started. So Emmett Chappelle was born 24th of October, 1925 in Phoenix, Arizona to his parents, Viola White Chappelle and his mom Chappelle. uh, Chappelle. My apologies to his parents if I've butchered their pronunciation, who grew cotton and raised cattle on their farm. I should also point out, by the way, that um, some additional research I was doing, I actually found a couple of articles claiming that there wasn't actually any electricity on the farms that he grew up on. That's at least until cool. he was 12 years old. So just to put, just to really put it into context. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like Great Depression era. Wow. Crazy. I love that. Oh part. God, I, I, forgot, <laughs> I forgot about the depression. As well. <laughs> there is the Great Depression. Yeah, there was this economic thing going mm. on there. I don't know if you heard about it. Good, good times, good times. <laughs> but despite this depression, as a child, he, he did manage to find some time exploring the desert environment of Arizona and learning about nature. Because Chappelle grew up during the time of segregation in America, he was unfortunately required to attend a segregated school known, uh, called the Phoenix Union Colored High School. 
So he did manage to graduate top of his uh, senior class out of 25 students, uh, though. So, you know, credit where it's due. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Straight after this, Chappelle was drafted into the US uh, in 1942 yeah. um, because there was a war going on. Mm-hmm. I was assigned in the Army Specialized Training Program where he was able to take some engineering courses. It was really where Chappelle got his, um, was exposed to engineering for the first time. So Chappelle was later reassigned, reassigned to the all-black 92nd Infantry Division and served in Italy. Uh, during his time in the service, he did suffer two non-fatal wounds in action. But fortunately, as we'll find out later, that didn't stop him from making the discoveries he did. Bam. Oh, yeah. Ultimate <laughs> badass. <laughs> After he returned from Italy in 1946, he attended Phoenix College, where he studied electrical engineering and received... An AA degree. I, I'm not actually sure what that is. It's I don't just know. an associate's degree. So, um, like for the US education system for college, it goes associates, mm. which is two years, and then bachelor's, which is four. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so after receiving his AA degree, he, he redirected his focus, realizing that he wanted a career towards the sciences. So he, so he earned a BS degree. Um, in biology from uh, UC Berkeley. He then served as an instructor of biochemistry at Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee between 1950 and 1953. And this was without graduate training, which is quite impressive, I have to say. Yeah, I was very surprised when I read that. I was like, wow, he is an instructor, but he got no graduate training. Either he's really good and can like easily bullshit his way into a, a position or like, he actually is really good, and people are like, yeah. "You don't need graduating. You're I fine." I don't think he. I don't think he bullshitted his way, and that's no. a bit harsh. Yeah, I, don't I would like to know how he spun that though. <laughs> I've got to be like flexible with the kind of work I'm looking for after I've done this masters. Right. So <laughs> I'll okay, take all. How, I'll, how I'm definitely taking my, these tips. My bullshitting level, level, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just also yeah maybe I'll just have to yeah. Maybe I'll just have to reconsider my field as well. Who knows? (laughs) I like it. I like it. So clearly from the way he was essentially able to talk his way into an instructor job, uh, he he was clearly very talented and his work was soon recognized by, by the scientific community. He was accepted to go on a master's degree in biology at the University of Washington uh, in 1954. So Chappelle continued his graduate studies at Stanford University uh, though he didn't complete his PhD. From 1955 to 1958, he worked as a research associate. And in 1958, Chappelle joined the Research Institute for Advanced Studies in Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm impressed with the amount of like institutions he's just adding to his CV and ticking off. He's just like jumping yeah. places. He's like, okay, I'll go here. Yeah. I'll go here. I'll go here. Like, Yeah, very... it's, a, it's a very interesting flex there, I've got to say. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I give him props for being so flexible and being willing to go where, where he wants to go. And it was here where Chappelle made uh, his major discovery that has largely contributed to the knowledge of bacteria, cyanobacteria, and other single-celled organisms around the world. So he discovered that single-celled organisms, such as algae, are photosynthetic. So for those of you who don't know what that is, what it essentially means is they're able to convert carbon dioxide to sugar and water into oxygen. The ability to photosynthesize is a characteristic of all plants, 
is the opposite process of cellular respiration, which all organisms use to create the energy needed for life. So algal photosynthesis has been essential for allowing astronauts to have a constant renewing source of oxygen. And so this knowledge was not only beneficial to astronauts, because it allows scientists to develop a method for creating clean oxygen for astronauts in space, but it also provided them with, safe, with a safe food source, that is the algae itself, uh, that is capable of reproducing in space. And Kenneth just put here plants rule, so read into <laughs> that what you will, which is doubly confusing to me because I did think plants were al- uh, algae was plants, but whatever. Technically, yes and no. That's the best way I can answer that, is that yes, they are, because plants photosynthesize and algae photosynthesize, but no, and that they also are a different strain of organisms than plants. No, I I was going to say, like, a safe food source is eating the algae, and I'm like, I don't know what algae tastes like. I'm not, like... Well, seaweed. Have you not had seaweed? No, yeah, I have, but, like, I don't know if they have a specialized type of algae for space other than seaweed that might just be more, like, compact or, like, more protein. I'm not sure, but it's maybe maybe they've genetically engineered like algae (laughs) to like taste like McDonald's cheeseburgers or something. Who knows? I love it. They're like, you're going up in space. We're already spending enough money anyway, so let's just make it, you know, taste like McDonald's for you as opposed to just regular algae. I mean, I feel like it's probably better. I mean, I feel like probably better than a lot of the stuff I associate with space food, like dried out, whatever that just dried out fish anything or, dried yeah just dried out protein <laughs> sus- sustenance i don't know i like it as that, you can tell totally I'm, i don't know a lot about astronauts <laughs> same same here but it does not sound like you go into it for the food <laughs> so yeah that's good, that's good on you that. I, that's flawed in me i've got to that's flawed me that i've got to say oh yeah sorry it has other perks besides the food <laughs> flawed again so after making the miraculous discovery that um, astronauts need plants and oxygen to survive he went on to work for hazelton laboratories um no laboratories i said laboratories i think there. <gasps> like an american <gasps> no La- <laughs> freeze 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 frame on that particular face <laughs> i'm secretly converting you to the ways so he went on to work for Hazelton Laboratories in 1963, now known as Covance Inc. as a biochemist. But he later joined. <laughs> he later joined what, Matthew? I, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, which normal people refer to, uh, know as NASA. So he joined NASA as an exobiologist, which is now known as an astrobiologist, just so that's clear, mm-hmm. and an astrochemist. In, in 1966, as an astrobiologist and astrochemist of NASA, so that is someone who focuses on the search for extraterrestrial life and studies the chemistry of astronomical objects. He works on the Viking spacecraft and helped develop instruments to collect and scrape soil from the surface of Mars. And for those of you wondering, well, why would anyone want that? Should point <laughs> out that <laughs> should point out that the Viking programs were essentially the first space programs to land on the surface of Mars and send photos and soil samples right. from the planet's surface. I'm also like just shocked that they already had that going when it's 66. Like they haven't even landed on the moon yet. 
Well, I don't, it didn't get sent. It didn't get sent in the 66, did it? No, but like they're already planning for it to get sent, even though like the, the Apollo missions are the ones that are like the big ones during the 60s. Well, it makes sense to me, I guess. It's, it's the height of space race yeah. fanaticism, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. It's just really interesting. And That's what I thought about. Did, so I was like, oh, they haven't even landed men on the moon this yet. This back yet when, yeah. Working on this. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, this was back when everyone was, thought we were about to meet people on Mars, <gasps> I guess. Martians. What a Fun. The, the optimism of like this era just continues to floor me and astound me. It really does sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> or just the amount of like nerds, technology, and science development. Yeah, oh, just the space stuff. It's a, it's completely it's it's amazing how much our research and development to space has changed in the last fifty like in the last fifty years. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. You know, NASA doesn't have any money to keep the lights on anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> now it's all going to Elon. <laughs> so Chappelle pioneered a new way to develop the ingredients ubiquitous in all cellular material. So later he developed techniques that are still widely used. For the detection for the detection of bacteria in urine, blood, spinal fluids, uh, drinking water, foods, and also u- and also semen, a fact which Kenner neglected to put in the script for some reason. Oh, I'm sorry. I <laughs> sorry. cool. No, so I just bodily, caught... <laughs> bodily fluids, pretty much. Anything yes, all the all fluids. the bodily fluids, basically. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, sorry, it's just because I found in my extra research, and it was actually mentioned in the patent specifically. So, ah, I see. You you just couldn't. Which leave... I found for some reason. <laughs> you couldn't even leave that one out. All right, cool. So all bodily. No, my dissertation. Fluids. I just need to justify my dissertation procrastination. All right, yeah. I get it. I get it. So while designing instruments for the Mars Viking spacecraft, Chappelle became interested in bioluminescence, which is warm light produced by living organisms. Chappelle developed a method using two chemicals, luciferase and luciferin, from fireflies, which give off light when mixed with ATP, which for people who don't know what ATP is, it's adenosine triphosphate, or sugar, an energy storage compound found in all living cells to detect the presence of ATP. So you mix the two chemicals with ATP to detect ATP. This method for ATP detection can be used to detect life on other planets as well as microbiological organisms. So since everything has ATP, you just look for where ATP is and you're like, cool, that's living. The currency for life as it's known. Absolutely. So Chappelle explained this process by saying, quote, you start out with the firefly, which you have to obtain, by the way. Either you catch it yourself or you pay the little kids to run around catching them for you. Then you bring them into the lab. You chop off their tails, grind them up, and get a solution out of these ground up tails. You add adenosine triphosphate to that mixture and you get light, end quote. Well, that's uh, interesting yeah, the, uh, the whole quote is fascinating. <laughs> well, at least he did I, his I, research. I, I think method, methodology sections and papers would be much more interesting if they described stuff. <laughs> I paid kind of a stuff. bunch of kids to get yeah. fireflies for me so I could do this experiment. What I find interesting about like Chappelle's work is like since marine organisms are so bioluminescent in the ocean, like nobody had found that out already, even though there was already a lot of marine research. I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated that Chappelle was the one to find those chemicals and like, as opposed to anybody else, you know what I mean? I mean, my understanding is that they hadn't done much deep, 
deep sea research back then. I guess that makes sense. Like yeah. subs are a lot harder to do. Yeah. Like, Which is where the bioluminescence is going to be. Right. Yeah. And also yeah. my understanding was that it's, uh, this era of research, they didn't actually know that much about uh, micro microbiology of the ocean just because the the placing techniques they were using just discriminated against most of the bacteria. So basically um, when you'd put a sample of ocean onto a plate, 99% of the actual bacteria wouldn't grow because yeah. they have different biochemistries and they can't grow on the plate. Yeah, no, that's fair. Plus, like, I think, again, this era is so focused on the space race and, like, the Cold War. They're not thinking about subs or, like, deep sea diving. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Also, just the gruesome, the gruesome description there. What, <laughs> you don't like chopping off firefly tails? Hmm, well, I, I don't make a habit out of it, I've got to say. Also, it reminds me of an experiment I did second year, actually. <laughs> Oh no. All right. Now you have to tell the story. You can't not tell no, the story. No, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't chop off any tails, but we did, um, it was for a neuroscientist. We, we just injected needles into the eyes of flies, basically. Oh, wait. So like turn them different colors? No, no, no. So we'd put, we put an anode and a cathode and an anode in them. And then we were measuring um, the, yeah. Gotcha. The, How the, difficult was it to inject something into in, a fly's Incredibly eye? difficult. Okay. I mean, you could eventually inject in the eye, but the trick was make sure it's still alive to get a reading. Ooh, fair enough. Like if you push, we got it in, but then they were just dead. Also, one wrong turn, you and you just kill it as well. I feel like you should add that to your resume of of skills. (laughs) I mean, I didn't really succeed in it, so I don't think I can. But aw, shame. Okay, did you not do experiments like this? Um, I did anesthetizing flies in college, but um, like we also were just anesthetizing them and then separating them into different colonies to like grow different white-eyed flies or red-eyed flies, and then like practice mating. So like, it wasn't anything super fancy like that. But that sounds really fun and very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it was incredibly difficult. <laughs> yeah, I think. By far, you probably actually worked harder on that than Chappelle did with his fireflies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Chappelle's method for identifying ATP is unique in that it works outside of Earth's atmosphere. So meaning that it could, in theory, be used to identify extraterrestrial life, which is kind of cool. So life on Mars. The field of exobiology, which we talked about earlier, is also called astrobiology, owes much to Chappelle's work. When asked about if life on other planets exists, he responded with, quote, I think it's likely. It's not life as we know it here on Earth, but I think it's likely that there are organisms up there that reproduce, end quote. And Chappelle actually was proven right because we still have, we found today like fossilized bacterial remains on Mars. And scientists are still trying to figure out, like, which bacteria was there, what it was doing, um, and if it's possible that we could find a type of bacteria that is still alive on Mars or if we could sustain bacteria on Mars. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Chappelle also proved that the number of bacteria in water can be measured by the amount of light given off by that bacteria. So that makes sense. Like, how much light versus, like, colony size, I suppose. Um, This discovery allowed scientists and doctors to detect small amounts of bacteria in places such as urine or other bodily fluids in order (laughs) to detect an onset of a bacterial infection, which is really cool. Yeah, nice. 
<laughs> I had to throw the bodily fluids in there yeah. or else I knew you would get upset yeah. with me. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, right, right. I'm sorry. Yes. Additionally, Chappelle developed a method for determining vegetation health by using laser-induced fluorescence to measure the amount of photosynthesis occurring in crops, which allows scientists to plant detect plant stress, determining growth rates, water conditions, and harvest timing. And I actually used this in one of my undergraduate labs when I was doing plant research, and it's really cool. Some of the lighting and images are just fantastic. Tell us more. (laughs) Tell us more. Um, Well, you take a leaf from the plant (laughs) and you put it in this special machine and like it, it again just uses lasers and like other sorts of things like that um, to cause the plant leaf to fluoresce and then based off like the amount of fluorescence and like where it is in the plant and whatnot you can kind of detect like where the plant is being stressed or like that sort of thing it's really cool oh wow yeah I'm pretty sure those machines are very expensive as well but yeah very interesting <laughs> So like any other piece of scientific equipment. <laughs> any other piece of scientific equipment. They are expensive, unfortunately. I remember, I remember I had to, we had to order some primers because we'd run out and it was like hundreds and hundreds of pounds just for like millimeters oh. worth of Yeah, no, primers. that's fair. And like every time they tell you in your lab, like don't, you know, use this wisely or like don't break this or whatever because it costs a lot of money. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, they mean it. Yeah, they do. So Chappelle earned an Exceptional Scientific Achievement Medal from NASA for his work, which is cool. He is a member of the American Chemical Society, the American Society of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology, the American Society of Photobiology, the American Society of Microbiology, and the American Society of Black Chemists. So that, that's, that's a busy social life there. I was just going to say, he's very <laughs> well networked and like very well involved, which is really cool, actually. Chappelle retired from NASA in 2001 to live with his daughter and son-in-law in Baltimore, Maryland. Along with his 14 U.S. patents, he has produced more than 35 peer-reviewed scientific or technical publications and nearly 50 conference papers. He's also co-authored and edited numerous other publications on a variety of subjects, so clearly really well-rounded and like very knowledgeable on, on stuff. So, very, yeah, very eclectic. But yeah, and like, clearly willing to help people. On like mm-hmm. just their research, no matter what, even if he's retired, which is cool. That was like the other thing that I was really shocked by is that he's not just limited to like physics or chemistry or biology. Is like he kind of goes all over the place, which is really cool. As we mentioned before, in 2007, Chappelle was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame for his work on bioluminescence. He is often included on lists of the most important scientists of the 20th century. Emmett Chappelle died in Baltimore, Maryland, on October 14th, 2019, at the age of 93. Throughout his career, Chappelle continued to foster the growth of technology and also mentored minority high school and college students. So clearly made a really good impact in multiple ways, not just science. That's that's pretty cool, actually. That yeah. This eminent professor, this eminent scientist, sorry, uh, just went down so I to teach kids. I really respect that. I do too. And just like making, like not just being the egotistical scientist for being famous. He's actually like a really yeah. nice guy and just down to earth and like I'm willing to help you. I wonder if I wonder if his own childhood played into that desire willingness to do that. I could see that actually. Like just having like seeing the other passion in kids um that you had when you were a kid. Yeah. Totally. I could see that for sure. Well, that is it for this episode. Please let us know what you think. Stay tuned for our next episode on Gladys West.